I mean, this is where Jesus said in, in John 8, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall yeah. make you what? The truth Free. shall make you scared. The truth shall make you embarrassed. The truth yeah. shall make you ashamed. The Come truth on. shall make you high. Come on. No. The truth shall make you free. So that's yeah. the point you're making. That that I can't, if I know the truth, yeah. then the truth compels me yeah. to be free. Welcome to all God's children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity. Race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. On today's podcast, I am joined by Reverend Danielle Bridgeforth. Danielle Bridgeforth is the senior pastor of the church at Clarendon and spent several years as an attorney in healthcare litigation. Today, we discuss the language of faith what has been lost in interpretation due to American slavery, colonialism, and Christian nationalism, and what the church in North America should be saying now. Join with us in the Amen Corner as we discuss the North American church's body language. But first, won't you pray for us? And do pray with me. Blabbermouth God, who need not hold your tongue or bite it, whose words are good, true, and ever-expanding, whose letters don't come together to choke the life out of us. It is to you that we pray for new tongues that expand our lungs and the Spirit's work in the world. It will take all we've got and require a new body language, a new speech pattern for this way of being. We repent of our programmatic ways, for the golden calves we hunger for and crave, for the shady deals we've made, for reducing your body language to a couple of hours on one day. God, have your say, and say it again for the people in the back pews, for those who act like they didn't hear you because you spoke from a space unexpected or for a people group long rejected. Because we crossed our hearts and were supposed to die with Christ in those baptismal waters to tongues that divide and conquer, humble us as we play king and queen of the hill, crumble our empires and let the roofs of these plaster skies come falling down on our heads. Because you gave us a heads up, but we dismissed your prophets and called them nags because they kept saying the same thing over and over again. God, give us ears to hear and a body language that repeats the love, hope, and justice that is crystal clear when it comes from you, the blabbermouth God. In the name of Jesus, the word that walked among us, God's body language, we pray. Amen.
growing up in the South in the early 1990s, when other children were playing with Game Boys and the girls were told by the church leaders not to play with the boys. During the worship service, persons offered a testimony. It was a weekly update on how God was at work in our lives. We began, first giving honor to God who is the head of my life, to the pastor, visitors, saints, and friends. Well, today I want to testify about Christ's body language. The Word became flesh. Divinity weighed in pounds and ounces, a squirming, wiggling, defenseless, totally dependent baby. God in Christ Jesus did not come to throw divine weight around. God came needing to be held and fed and changed and burped. God started small on earth. Jesus' movement started in the womb, sitting on Mary's bladder before rising from the tomb, self-existent, eternal, and born again, mysterious, untraceable, unable to be pinned down. Mary and Joseph counted little fingers and toes, kissed cheeks and elbows. What? do we say about him now? Because it seems like we have repeated that we are Christ's hands and feet for so long and so often that we literally believe that we are card-carrying members of the Trinity, Source, Son, Spirit, and me. Creature and Creator switch places. We have made our body God's body. What if God were one of us? Potter and Clay take turns on the wheel. Let me have a turn at the wheel. It can't be that hard. Let me have a spin at it. And before long, the world is spinning out of control. Maybe this is why Henry David Thoreau said, Thank God men cannot fly and lay waste the sky as well as the earth. Come back down to earth. Our bodies remind us of our limitations, and in response, we try to limit God, to restrict the movements of the omnipresent one. Housed in our bodies and in our corner of the world only, God is treated like a senile parent. We talk about God as if God is falling apart and consequently not all there. We speak as if God is losing mobility because God does not come when we call, as if God answers to our beck and call. We behave as if God doesn't know what is going on, what was last said, or even what today's date is. Instead, God needs to be assisted, taken care of. God needs to be helped out and helped around. Let me get that for you, God. We behave as if God's body is our little project, that God does not have it all together. We believe that God is missing pieces that we have around here, Somewhere, that God is not a finished work and requires some assembly. And this is the reason why we come to church, to fix God's body, instead of changing our language. Our scripture reading is the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 1. It reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
This is Reverend Starlette Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. Fellowship Southwest is a network of churches organized around compassion. FSW is agile, ecumenical, and willing to do whatever it takes to serve people in need. Their network includes all kinds of churches, and they like it that way. At FSW, your church can be itself and your mission can be multiplied. Learn more at fellowshipsouthwest.org. American Baptist Home Mission Societies is your partner in mission and ministry, empowering God's people for today's real-life challenges. Through continuing education that sharpens ministry skills, mission trips that put faith into action, and a virtual platform for ministry professionals to network and learn from one another, American Baptist Home Mission Societies helps you live your faith every day. Visit American Baptist Home Mission Societies at abhms.org to find out more. Pastors for Children mobilizes the faith community for public education support and advocacy. They have affiliates in Texas, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida, North Carolina, and Alabama. You can find them, Pastors for Children, on Facebook and Twitter and learn more at pastorsforchildren.com. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. Welcome Danielle Bridgeforth, who is also the founder of Joy for Life Ministries. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response a sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss Christ's body language. This is our first question. You can tell a lot about a person based on their body language. Uh, With that truism in mind, segregated Sunday mornings and divided on a plethora of issues, uh, what can we tell about Christ's body uh, based on the North American church's separate but equal body language? I think uh, I I like that analogy um, about equating it to a person's body language. And I think two things I would say that I believe the church's body language shows us is that first, we lack clarity. And and secondly, we lack confidence. And those are often things that easily translate with someone's physical body language. And I believe it's also easy to see it with our spiritual body language. Um, When I say we lack clarity, I'm saying that we really Um, have a a high level of confusion and misunderstanding about who Christ is and therefore who we are as the body and what we've been called to do. I mean, y'all get those three C's. We lack clarity. We lack confidence. And there's a high level of confusion. I don't know if y'all are keeping track here, Uh, but the preacher has used, I'm taking notes. It's a high level of confusion about who Jesus is. Y'all better keep up because she's, she's coming in ready to go. I think she feel like preaching. 
coming in hot. Um, and, and, and so, so you know, there's so many texts, but I, I'll just point us to, you know, Ephesians 4, okay. 1 through 6, which talks about the, the, the unity of the body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And, and so this is how we are supposed to present ourselves and how we're supposed to present Christ. And then you go over to Romans 12, uh, a passage which I know you've quoted before, and, and, and it's clear the apostle says we are members one of another. But then when we look at how the body, how Christ's body, how the church, North American church, and I like that terminology, operates, it, it doesn't do those two things consistently. Yeah. We don't walk in unity, and we really don't interact as if we are a part of one another. Yeah. So that, that must be because we are really not clear on who we are. And, and, if, and, if, and, if, and then I don't have the confidence, perhaps, maybe I am clear on what Christ has called me to do. Maybe I am clear, but I just don't have the confidence to walk it out and to live it out. Yeah. And so I need another C and that would be, you know, more courage. I need to be more courageous to say, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm nervous about it, but I still gotta, I got, I gotta do it. Well, I like the, the coming in hot reference. That's my new jam. Uh, <laughs> y'all better check it out with the and brother A. Uh, okay. So, so good. So good. So uh, that leads to the next question for me. Um, I dabble in a bit of poetry. So in his poem, uh, We Wear the Mask, uh, Paul Lawrence Dunbar concludes, We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. Uh, the mantra is often fake it until you make it. Uh, in some theological circles, pretending, feigning, hiding, covering up our reality as a show of faith and strength is encouraged. Why is this body language harmful? Uh, what is the body work needed to move conversations about the historical roots of American Christianity, uh, colonialism, and slavery forward? And why do we continue to mask it. Here, I think it really boils down to to, to fear, and yet it, it connects very, very much to the first question. You know that that understanding of um, a misunderstanding of who you are, um, which is so pervasive, and so you, you have to you, you and not only do you do things, or do we do things as individuals um, <clears throat> because we're afraid, but then. Uh, we almost force others to do the same. Uh, and what I mean is, whereas, you know, your confidence, your freedom, your boldness should embolden me, what often happens is when I see someone living in truth, when I mm -hmm. see someone fully empowered and, and walking in confidence and in faith and really living out the truth of the gospel, instead of me um, taking that as something that says, oh, okay, I want to do that. I instead say, nah, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. How are you going to say we got to have a raceless gospel? Race right. is everywhere. Right. You know? and, so, and, so, and so I try to take away. And, and so, and so I think that what, you know, Paul Lawrence Dunbar is just being very honest about sharing is, especially for African-Americans or those from the African diaspora, is that we have had to live our entire existence in North America in deception. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And, and the audacity then for those of us who have been required to live in deception to keep doing it if we can be free. But then especially it's like 
envy not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. If mm-hmm. I get free, if I get free, then the last thing I want to do is use my freedom as an occasion to bind someone else up. Mm-hmm. So when I say to you, fake it till you make it, when I say to you, you know, that you can't be honest or that you shouldn't be honest, sometimes I realize that's coming from a place of protection mm-hmm. and self-preservation. Because, and I say this to congregation that uh, that I lead all the time, you know, you can't tell everybody everything. We know that's true. I can't get give everybody full carte blanche access to that's my right. personal life and to my deepest thoughts. Yet and still, I just believe my theology of God is that there are always places where I can go and be safe and be authentic and be real. And I have to seek those out. And so part of it is us as the leaders and those as the pastors and preachers and teachers who have the mic and the influence is to make sure that we let that be the truth that people hear. Not that you have to hide and keep it secret and be deceptive, but that you have to instead use that energy to find the places where you can really live your truth. So well said. Howard Thurman talks about that uh, in a number of his books about finding the center. Finding the space within yourself that no one and nothing can get to. And I say often to folks I'm in communication with, you can't fix a lie. You simply cannot fix a lie. You're going to have to tell the truth and shame the devil, shame your family, shame whomever you need to. But you need to tell the truth about the thing. That's the only way you're going to heal it. Uh, Millennials have gotten in trouble for that because we post everything. We share everything. But it's because we were raised by folks who said nothing. Or they were being beat. Said nothing. Suffering with alcoholism who said nothing about the family down the street that your dad is going to see on the weekend. They said absolutely nothing and then told us that it was normal and told us it was okay. And if we said anything back, we were talking back. We we weren't old enough to understand. You know, when you grow up, you'll understand. No, we're grown now. And we do not understand why we would subject ourselves to that. And then tell us that this is the way it's supposed to be. Absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, this is where Jesus said in, in John 8, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? The truth shall make you scared. The truth shall make you embarrassed. The truth shall make you ashamed. The truth shall make you high. Come on. No, the truth shall make you free. So that's the point you're making that, that I can't, if I know the truth, then the truth compels me to be free. And so really what, what you're, what you're asking me to do is live a lie or to, to, or to just really not live. Oh, white supremacy is the biggest lie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah. That God oh, yeah. created oh, somebody yeah. a little higher than me. Exactly. There's no scripture for that. You have no biblical authority over me. Uh, but yeah. if we could just finish that out, whom, whom the sun sets free, they're free indeed. Right. Without question. That's Shouldn't right. go back to it. That's right. There's That's no right. question about it. But oftentimes the church mimics that imitates those same systems we're called to tear down, which raises a lot of questions mm-hmm. for people like me, uh, which, <laughs> which leads me to the next question, because I, I hear this now in my circles. I'm a Christian, but not that kind of Christian, <laughs> not wanting to be associated with Christianity due to, uh, let's say, Christian nationalism, for example. Uh, persons are putting a disclaimer on the word. What does this say about the North American church's body language. 
Christianity, historically and presently, is used to justify acts of violence and terrorism in the name of a crucified savior. What is lost in interpretation? How do we work together to get on the same page in matters of justice, equality, and freedom? Right, well, if what we just said in answer to the previous question is, is, is correct, and that is that truth leads to freedom, then, then what, we, what we have to be able to do is just be honest. And, and so I think, I understand why, and I'm not gonna sit here and say I've never tried to distance myself from some of the glaring differences that I see in these different strains of the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, and even the church that I pastor uh, used to be Southern Baptist, but made a very deliberate choice to leave that denomination so that it wouldn't be associated with some of the negativity and the just regression and you know bondage that mm. the SBC has been connected to <clears throat> and even so much as you know the name of, of our church is the First Baptist Church of Clarendon and yet we went through and this is before I came a, a name change that said you know, to change our name to the church at Clarendon, you know, just kind of as our quote unquote DBA. And and my understanding is a lot of what led to that was this concern that if people see First Baptist Church, that that would mean certain things to people and they wouldn't even come in the door. It does. It means conquest. It's marking right. territory. And, and And so on one level, I respect the honesty of the leaders to say we we know what this means and we're not going to act like we don't and because we mm. don't want to be associated with it mm. we're going to we're going to make a change but yet what I what I think that idea of I'm a Christian but not that kind of Christian what that really is is a cop out mm. Mm. you know say it's, more. it's a way it's a way for me to keep making you the other ah uh. And that's okay. what pervades us. That's what white supremacy is. That's what this idea of this Christian nationalism is, mm -hmm. is that I'm not you, you're, you're other than. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everything about Christ, go back to that Ephesians 4 passage, mm -hmm. is oneness, unity, camaraderie, cooperation, the interdependence of the body, and I need you. But if, if you're other, then then I, then it's a cop out. It's an excuse because now I don't have to do anything about it. In fact, I don't even That's have right. any power to do anything about it. I, you know, I, I don't have responsibility to call you to That's task it. to be who God has called us to be. That's I've it. just simply removed myself because I've said, well, I'm other. So no, that's that's not me. So and, and I think we have to live in that tension, the tension of understanding why you want to say, no, that's not me. And, and I'm not saying nobody shouldn't say it. I'm very clear. I, I you know, I'm, I'm OK. When people ask me, are we part of the SBC anymore? I say, I don't think so, <laughs> because I'm a black woman and I'm I'm the senior pastor. And I still think that that's not something that the SBC fully com completely is down with. But I also think we have to wrestle with the fact that I can't just turn everybody and everything into the other. I have to say, no, I'm a part of this. And because I'm a part of this, that gives me accountability, That's responsibility. Right. That gives me authority 
to speak and to stand and to say certain things. And you will not shush me. You will not push me to the corner. You will not tell me to be quiet because I'm a part of this body. That's so right. You talk, about, you talk about how we grew up. You talk about growing up and families that did certain things. And, and so, but at some point in time, I'm not at the children's table. At there you go. I'm about to stand up. At some point My in Lord. time, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm a That's full-fledged right member of I've always been a full-fledged member of this family but now I'm a full-fledged member that really understands the rights and the and the authorities appertaining there too well and so I and so I and so when you tell me to lie when you tell hmm. me this is just what we do in the family when you tell me this is how it is I have a right to say but why that's right how is that serving us or to say actually I want to change that culture I want a yeah. new tradition yeah and yeah. I can't do that if I'm other yeah. I've I can't do that, that if I just leave. I, I just can't do that if I leave. I don't know yeah. how human beings can make anyone other than human. What kind Come of power on. have you given yourself that you can make? Because at all times, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, you're a human being. So the, the, even it. the language of othering people, I find is supremacist. Because how, how high up did you get to be? To then change the, the being, the species, the qualification, the character, my character, uh, the category in which I fit in to other someone. I also find the church is very cannibalistic. Hmm. We'll eat our own quickly. We'll mm -hmm. sacrifice the young for a bigger building. I don't understand it. And now the, those buildings are empty. I have lots of questions. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Get mad if you want to. Uh, canceled youth ministries and youth ministry budgets um, for large, spacious, almost said something. I'll just say idols uh, to themselves, only to have to go into those buildings and ask young people to come back and help you work the equipment. Can you get me on the Zoom? Can Come you on. update this website? Come on. Um, Come on. Chasing after a false a false gospel. Come on. Yeah. Name and claim that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. You know, there's a lot of young people that are laughing right now <laughs> during this <laughs> pandemic saying, oh, but you don't need the youth because we don't pay any tithes. Oh, but we can work this technology. Let me give you another hey. T. Exactly. Uh, so be exactly. mindful of, of cutting off people, cutting off members of the body because of their youth, because you don't feel like they have anything to offer. Because there may come, right. a, a, come a time when you realize that they do, especially Absolutely. with the graying denominations and graying congregations. You need young people to keep it moving, to keep it going. And because you've cut them off early on, they have no right. interest in coming back. And the church has got to deal with that. Absolutely. And so, and so it goes into this language. How do we, what does success really mean? Yeah. It, it goes into like, what do we value and what do we devalue? We have to deal mm -hmm. with that language because for too long we have placed value, like you're saying, on money, yeah. on the bottom line. Oh, yeah. We really have to place value on, you know, the end can't always justify the means. Mm hmm. I, I often mm -hmm. say to people in, in, in sermons, like God will never send you. And I rarely say never, <laughs> but it's one of those times when I believe it's true. God will not send you to do the right thing in the wrong way. Mm. So if I've been sent by Holy Spirit to speak, to work, to move, to minister, then I can't say, well, the end justifies the means. No, because if if Holy Spirit sent me, Holy Spirit sent me with wisdom, compassion, yeah. intelligence, love, grace, faithfulness to be able to do or say whatever I've been called to do or say mm -hmm. in a way that's not 
God honoring and therefore dishonoring of God's people, those made in God's image, but honoring of God and honoring of those made in God's image. And so the church has to reconcile that because for too long in many ways, we've said, I will dishonor you because you're old, because you're young, because you're not married, because you are married, because... You don't make enough money because you yeah. do make enough money because yeah. your sexuality isn't right. I'll de- devalue for my benefit. Yeah. But it's because God said it. It's because this is what it's not me. This is what God has said. No, God mm-hmm. has not said to devalue anyone and to mm-hmm. demean and to, as you say, make other, make anyone other. Mm-hmm. And so we mm-hmm. have to deal with that language and that terminology and why we can do it so freely. You know, I'm wondering if I, I was thinking about our conversation and this aesthetic righteousness and how uh, the, the, the scriptures talk about um, the church without spot or wrinkle. And I wondered just to myself if it would require then that the North American church air its dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. That we have to, we're going to have to say these are the things we did. And if we don't, the ground will speak as these indigenous babies keep coming up and crying out, that if we don't say anything, that the judgment will, will be coughed up from the earth itself, that the rocks will not only cry out, but the dirt, and say, these babies are here, and y'all did this to us. Um, just things I think about. That's good. Um, <clears throat> That's very good. That's as it relates good. to the North American church. I'm very concerned about it. Um, I think anyone who is in a, in a pastoral or priestly function should be. Um, right. And that we need to say this as often as possible. Repent. Not those people right. out in the world, but those people <laughs> on the pews. Oh, no, because I was taught, you know, the bad people are out there. We're the good people. We got it right. God loves us. We're saved. You know, we're saved. Now we got to go out and help other people. We got it right. And they have it wrong. Boy, if that ain't a lie from the... <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's biblically inaccurate. Ah. I mean, if, you look, if you just look at the Bible, I mean, most of the time those texts are being drawn from letters and epistles that were written to the church. Those statements, when maybe Paul or you know Peter was clarifying, that they, they weren't speaking to those who were unchurched or unsaved who didn't know. They were speaking to those in the body. Yeah. yeah. Saying you have to stop doing these things. You uh-huh. have to stop going these places. And so so it's just biblically unsound. But it's interesting that you that you bring up that idea about the spot or wrinkle because I spoke a couple of weeks ago um, at uh, a Leland local on how to talk about racial justice in the church. And the very thing I said was that the, the way we have dealt with racism and white supremacy in the church is a spot and a wrinkle. Ah. That, that we have to clear up. Because if Christ coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, then what are we going to do with this big spot, this glaring wrinkle about how we have divided and maimed and devoured mm. ourselves? What What is Christ going to come back for? What is Christ going to redeem if we've eaten each other up and we've so segmented and segregated ourselves that we can barely be recognized mm. as the unified body of Christ. Mm. Mm. That's a word. So, so, you know, one is a tight squeeze. Jesus prayed that we might be one at all. My God. <laughs> My God. My God. We're going to have to make it fit. 
We're going to have to get him in there. But <laughs> that leads me to this next question. If we're not flowing, uh, Matthew records yeah. Jesus saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Jesus speaks of self-deception and later that there is a difference between hearing and doing. Uh, is the North American church prepared for Jesus's cold shoulder? Why or why not? <laughs> well, I, 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 well, I think the answer has to be no. Ah, but okay. I actually think, I think the, the question before that, though, is will, will the North American church even understand mm that Christ is giving it the, the cold shoulder. I mean, in this passage, you know, what Matthew's saying is that there's a lack of awareness. Oh, yes. And, and, and I think, I mean, I think that it's, it's worse Ugh. than, what's worse than bad actors and bad actions are bad actors and bad actions done from a, from a place of utter and profound lack of awareness. I mean, it's mm. one thing for me to be wrong and for me to be wrestling, for me yeah. to be trying to work through my confusion. It's another thing for me to not even realize. Ugh. And that's what this passage is talking about. Like, I'm actually out here thinking I'm killing the game. Ugh. And I'm not And you're killing Jesus. Floor. You know who you exactly. make me think of? Exactly. You're making me think of Paul. You're making me think of Saul. Out here with yourself, right yourself. Oh, that's a perfect. I'm just telling you right example. now. That's a perfect I'm a, I'm a, you're making me think of Saul. Yeah. And Jesus yeah. is like, wait, 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 wait. You're not doing my work. You're killing me here. Right. You're killing me. And so when and let's let's push that out. When Saul had his Damascus Road experience, understand that the question he did he didn't say who is that. Not at all. He said he said, "Is that you, Lord?" <laughs> Come which, on, which set it up. Me, which, which says to me that that guy had been trying to Woo! speak to him, but it took him getting knocked down and yes. blinded. Yes. So, so why do we have to wait until the very mm. last? Why mm. does God have to pin us into mm. the thing to force us to be loving? Mm. Don't don't love me. I mean, come on now. I'm like, oh. Mom, hey, I love you, but I want you to love me. Don't don't I, I, don't force me. To, to love you, I, there should be some some willingness. And, and, and so this idea about the deception is very important because we're just unaware. It makes me think about Francis Chan. Francis Chan, I believe he said it this way. He says, our greatest fear should not be failure, mm -hmm. but of succeeding at things in life that My Lord. don't really matter. Like I should be more concerned about the fact that I'm spending my energy, my money, my time, my resources on stuff that Jesus will one day say, it means nothing. Oh, it's rubbish. It's going to be filthy rags up. to me. It's filthy Ooh. rags. I would rather spend le less money, less on the things that really, really matter. And so will the church recognize and be prepared for the cold shoulder? No, because they probably won't even recognize it. Mm -hmm. They'll be saying, oh, that's not Jesus because Jesus didn't, ex they didn't accept what this was I've been mm -hmm. doing for the last mm -hmm. 500 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, no, nah, I see your stuff. It just don't have no value. 
Mm. You bringing me junk. You trying to bring this to the to the to the to the thrift store or to the pawn shop, and they saying just throw it, just throw it away. <laughs> it's worth nothing. I'll give you nothing for it. It is trash. It is rubbish. <laughs> You know, I can't resell this. I can give this gospel to no one. No one can use this loveless gospel. No, no, oh. no one, I can't do anything without this. Comp- if you can't be kind, I can't use it. Ooh. Because Jesus said, by this shall everybody, not just the saved, the unsaved, the church, the unchurched, the black, the white, the red, the yellow, the brown, but by this shall all know that you are mine yeah. by love. Yeah. And all the other stuff we're trying to do to get known and to be seen, to be recognized as <sighs> of God, it would be better for us to stop doing that and learn how to really love God, love and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, because Paul came with all, well, Saul at the time had all had the pedigree and the degrees to boot, came from a good family, lived in a great neighborhood and was wrong. Right. Was all wrong about the faith. Speaking of which, foot in mouth and head stuck in the sand, an echo chamber. Uh, The North American church often repeats after itself. Uh, Preparing for Jesus' return and the kingdom coming, still this body of believers is often left behind on conversations. Uh, What should, should be a part of this body's language if it is to speak to younger and future generations? What should the church be saying? Because bibbidi-bobbidi-boo ain't it. Right. Blabbit and grabbit ain't it. Right. And, and, and it never was. But I think, <sighs> um, I, I think that there is, um, what's happened is because the church is now, the pew is now more well-read and, and educated, that's right. And not just education in the classroom and in the in institutions, but just more exposed. Oh, yes. I mean, I mean, you know, my little cousins that are, you know, one third my age. Listen here. Have, know more about the globe than I do. Google is a teacher. Or especially, or especially what I knew when I was their age. YouTube I didn't know this. Many, I didn't know this many countries when I was That's 10 right. years old. That's right. I maybe knew two continents. And I didn't understand it, but now they, they have a global awareness. That's right. And, and, and so, so the fact is we, we have to be authentic. Ah. That's the one thing. That's the language. Yes. It has to be a language of authenticity, but it's, it's a language of inclusion, but not this kind of fluffed inclusion where we just kind of say, yeah, you can come, but actually when you come, you are going to be required to undress, take off what you have on and put on this outfit, David, go fight Goliath. But, but here, wear my armor. No, when, when, when I say you're included, that means you get to bring the gifts and talents and skills that God has armed you with. And so that's the the culture, the language, the understanding of society and of social media. And so for young people, younger people, my understanding as I'm learning, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer and I don't have no problems with it. I'm glad I'm a Gen Xer. I'm gonna be a Gen Xer. I'm good with it. But you know, millennials and 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 those at, younger than millennials want to be trendy. They want to be in the know about things, but not in an inauthentic way. That's right. And That's so, right. can the church find out how to be trendy without being inauthentic? Yeah. Can 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 we marry the two? 
can, is there a way for me to capture the energy of the trends and not make that and not dismiss it because I don't understand it, but to capture the energy of it and yet say, here's how I can authentically do it. And here's how the gospel can, the momentum of the gospel can be helped by what you're doing and what you're saying and, and not make you wait for later. No, because the internet it, it, is their world. It what? is our world. I mean, I'm a millennial. It's our world. Yeah. And so when persons dismiss is discounted, it's like you're right. not hearing, you're not honoring, you're not valuing our experience. And much of it is lived online. And if you right. can't meet us there, there's nothing really to go to. I was, I was, I was having a conversation with a couple of uh, teenagers. One was 13, one was 14. And she said, quite frankly, she said, when you go back and you talk to these church leaders, you tell them if they can't work their phone, then we can't work together. They have nothing to say to me. If you And she said it just like this. She said, if you can't find your home button on your phone, you will never reach me. Right, right. And, this and, is their and, language. And, this is their language. Right. right. And, and so, and so, And so we take that very honest thing that that precious 14-year-old said, and, and the church has to meet her where she is and yet replace the cancel culture mm. with compassion. Yeah, because the fact of the matter is, there's some people who are never going to be able to work their phones. This is true. <laughs> and so this, this, so this is where the gospel really is. Mm -hmm. The body is for everyone. That's right. And so even the younger people can't say, "I need the body to totally be right. about me." That's right. That we just have to be able to welcome them and then get them to see there are there are members of our church. I mean, we have we have members who are into their 80s and 90s. In fact, our oldest member, our senior statesman is 99 years old. He was there on D-Day at mm. 19 years old. And he's still spry and vibrant. And yet I understand that. There are so one of the main reasons why we have a conference call for Sunday morning worship service yeah. is so that our older members can call in because sometimes they don't have access to computers right. and the internet, and that's, that's a whole right. other conversation. That's right. But I just can't say, well, this is the way you access us mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. Facebook, on Twitter, mm -hmm. on Instagram, mm -hmm. and if you aren't on there, then you can't get it. That's right. I have to do and then both. And that's, no, I was going to say that, this language is both and; it's not either or. It's a and false binary. It. And, and, that's, and that's what we have to be able to say yeah. to this young culture as well as to the older, is that it's and and both. Because yeah. too many times what we've modeled for them is that it's either or. That's right. And either or has never worked. But it's and and both. That means, yes, I will and I can empower you to be on your phone and to, we're, our church is working right now to get an app and I'm excited about it, even though I don't know all the things the app's going to do fully, but I'm going to learn it. We're going to train I you also, up. That's right. I also have people on the team that are 10, 15 years younger than me that will bring me along That's because right. there's some things I don't want to learn. I don't have the time to do it. And it wouldn't even be a good use of my energy That's right. to do it. But as long as I respect it, and I respect you, That's and we're right. a part of the body, and we're at the table, That's then right. I can learn. But my little cousin, he's about to turn 30 next month. He knows I'm going to call him because he knows some stuff. And so I'll hit him up on my phone and be like, what does this mean? Or am I using this correctly? And he'll, and he, he does no judgment. He'll say, yeah, because we're right. well, actually kind of, you know, and that's fine. No, so you make a very both, fine point. If we're we can, all we members of the body, everybody, you can't do everything. 
You can't be That's the hands right. and the feet or the eyes That's and it. the mouth. You have to give people the space to do and be who they're. And I think to do and be who they are, I think that's a problem with the church. Um, because right. persons are older members. They think I can be the hands and I give the most money so I can be the feet. Right. Or I give the most money so I can be the mouth. And say, so actually, you're not gifted to speak. Right. Well, the, gift, the gift lies with someone else. You just have money. Why don't you do How about we share these things in common? You give what you're able to give. You can give money and I can give, I can give voice to this issue or I can give energy. And the church doesn't often do that. I think the both Absolutely. end is, 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 is spot on, is dead on. Uh, we got to find a way in which you said to be authentic, inclusive, yes. and, and we don't want to give them a loveless gospel. I don't know if y'all are taking notes, people, but I am. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a Thank rich you conversation we've had what a time we've had what a sweet amen sweet what a time didn't our hearts burn <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you very much i want to thank our guest danielle bridgeforth and extend to you our listeners an opportunity to know this jesus who is beyond words and yet proof that God keeps God's word. This Jesus who would like to have a word with you. Invite him to journey with you in your practice of discipleship and learn more about his body language. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 2 is brought to you through the generous support of Fellowship Southwest and American Baptist Home Mission Societies. You can support the work and witness of the Raceless Gospel Podcast by giving to Good Faith Media, please visit our website, goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep doing this body work. Head over to Our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gospel Pod on Twitter. Absent in the body, but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. That's it for season two of the Raceless Gospel Podcast but we're already at work on season three. Discover more of what we're doing by going to goodfaithmedia.org and clicking on initiatives. Come join us as we continue to do this body work.